Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by GoIowaAwesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Of course, joined by Adam Jacoby, publisher of the site, and Ross Binder, managing editor at Iowa.Rivals.com. Before we get started, make sure that you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, hit the like button, and drop a comment. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. And of course, anytime you got a thought while you're listening, go ahead and drop that comment. And you might be listening on other platforms, but not subscribe. So make sure you subscribe today so you don't miss an episode of Hawkcast. So if you uh, haven't seen the news from today, you are probably living under a rock. Caitlin Clark declares for the WNBA draft. She will no longer be a Hawkeye after this season comes to a close. Of course, sad, proud, everybody saw it coming. There's a mixture of emotions and expectations going forward for Caitlin. She's probably headed to the Indiana Fever as the first pick in the WNBA draft next year. Adam, you're on the women's beat. Initial reactions when when you saw the news, and uh, what are you thinking? Well, my very first reaction was, dang it, Caitlin, because I expected the news to come after the season. And, and so we had to be like, well, all right, we're, we're doing it now. We're doing it live. No script. And uh, But it is ultimately, I believe, the right decision for her. And it has nothing to do with the money. And we can get into that money discussion um, as fruitless as it is later. But not even from a money perspective, but just from a competition perspective, which is all... I shouldn't say it's all that Caitlin's talked about, but it is for a competitor like her. This is her opportunity to play at the highest level. And you can tell when she plays that she kind of needs to be on the court with nine other WNBA level players because that elevates her game as well. It puts her in the proper, uh, you know, echelon. We know Caitlin is the best player in college basketball. We already know that now. She doesn't really have anything left to prove in college other than winning a national championship, which she can still do this year. Uh, But that, too, is a team goal. And despite what everyone who buys Nike says, uh, is not an individual uh, accomplishment. So removing the championship banner, which is literally the only thing left in Caitlin Clark's career, the only thing left. Aside from that, she's got nothing else to prove and she's got a pro environment waiting for her in Indiana and a teammate in Aaliyah Boston, who is, you know, the last person to be named AP national player of the year prior to Caitlin. So there's, there's a lot of upside waiting for Caitlin in Indianapolis, but yeah, from an Iowa perspective, you know, all the speculations over, this is going to be it. Ross, I have to tweet about a kid who just uh, put out that he's visiting Iowa. So uh, your turn. Go. (laughs) All right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with Adam, you know, it's the right move for her to make competitively speaking. She needs to be testing herself against the WNBA. Um, She, if you watched the game last night, you know, her against Minnesota, like you saw how much of a different level she's on compared to uh, a lot of these uh, college players. And that's not a slight on them because they're very good players in their own right, obviously. But I mean, she was doing whatever she wanted last night. 
Uh, just, you know, long threes, driving to the rim, great, you know, just laser perfect assists, uh, you know, rebounding. Like she had a triple double in three quarters and didn't even make it look hard. She was just, you know, it was just within the flow of the game and she was just doing everything, just dominating at a supremely high level. So, yeah, from a competition standpoint, she's done everything she needs to do in the college level. You know, go go to the pro, see what's next. Um, and from an Iowa standpoint for this season, I think, you know, it was surprising for her to announce today. But I think ultimately it's a good thing to get that, you know, slight distraction out of the way. So it's not it's not something that Clark or Bluter or any of the, her teammates are going to be asked about, you know, at the Big Ten tournament or in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, everyone can be focused on those team goals of winning another Big Ten tournament. Um, and then also, you know, hopefully going that next step and maybe even winning an NCAA tournament this year. Um, so I think, you know, just as few distractions as you can have in the pursuit of those goals is going to be really beneficial. So this is one less distraction for sure. And they, everybody knows this is it. This is the last run with Caitlin. Um, it, it gives a nice sense of clarity for, uh, you know, the next month, I think for, for Iowa hoops, which can only be a positive really. Yeah, Ross, you mentioned the timing, and I think that there is something to that. And specifically, it, the, the more that you look at what Caitlin's next few days look like, the more it makes sense that she made this decision today. Because tomorrow afternoon, she's going to be meeting with the press as, as part of the, uh, I guess, sort of pre-senior day um, run of seniors that are going to be uh, made available to us uh, before Lisa Bluter. It's it's going to be all four seniors, minus unfortunately Molly Davis, who we're told has um, uh, class conflicts. Which that's a little bit of a bummer. But regardless, we're going to get Goodman, we're going to get uh, Gabby, we're going to get Kate Martin, and we're going to get Caitlin Clark. And if she spends, if Caitlin spends her entire ten minutes talking about is she going to stay, is she going to go, like what you know that's going to be a little bit of a distraction and a disservice to her talking about her career, her talking about the last season she's had and, you know, sort of what's left in front of her. And it's also going to, I, I still, uh, you know, college game day is going to be uh, there on Sunday. It's going to be senior day on Sunday. I still kind of wish the fans would give Caitlin one last one more year chant, but Having that not hang over those festivities, not having any of that uncertainty, any of that will she, won't she, everybody who's going to show up to Carver Sunday morning knows what Caitlin Clark is going to do next year now. And so they can still serenade her one last time with one more year. They can still cheer and celebrate her as much as they can. And they're going to show up knowing for a fact that this is it. They're they're not going to, you know, go to one senior day and then wonder if they're going to have to have to <laughs> go to another one with Caitlin uh, the next year, which is a little bit of what uh, Paige Bukers did at UConn, although it made a lot more sense for Paige than it does for Caitlin. So everyone can take that moment for what it is. Everyone up to and including Caitlin, Bluter, and the rest of the Iowa staff and the teammates. None of them have to worry about is she staying or going. None of them have to worry about is she going to upset the fans when they start chanting in the middle of her senior day speech. Everyone can breathe. 
everyone can focus on the basketball and it's going to be better for everybody involved. And with Caitlin, you know, looking forward to those interviews, looking forward to college game day, looking forward to the senior day festivities and the post game there, that is so many opportunities for people to ask her about her future that are now kind of off the table. And that is going to be better for her as long as she, you know, wants to be talking about her teammates right now, the, the season right now, um, basketball in general as a Hawkeye. So even though I didn't see it coming, the more that we think about it, the more it makes sense. So the player that I was writing up, Christian Hudson, he's a three-star tackle from Daytona Beach. If you want to see the list of other spring visitors, you can head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe if you're not a subscriber today. Uh, Now back to Caitlin Clark, the, uh, the story of the day. One thing that you've both mentioned and that Jan Jensen referenced today, she was at the state tournament and spoke with a few media members once Caitlin uh, made the announcement. And she said, if you haven't seen it, she talked to him for like 13, 15 minutes. So uh, some great quality minutes from from Jan there. Um, it's on Twitter. But she said you could tell last night against Minnesota that Caitlin was playing just a little more free and that that pressure wasn't on her shoulders anymore, at least, to you know. Uh, that extra pressure she's always got pressure right but uh, that extra level of of pressure wasn't on her shoulders and she could just be herself and play like herself um and that's that's got to be such a strong indication of that relief that she feels right now and to know that to know what her future looks like going forward is got to be it's just got to be so much better for her mentally than having that uh, that that fog of I don't know what my future looks like. I mean, what was it? Was it? Uh, it was just over a year ago, Adam, that you and I had a uh, a Zoom call the day that I got laid off at my previous position, and still a week between the time that that I got hired. And um, being unemployed is awful, and having that week and not knowing what your future looks like is awful. Very different circumstances. <laughs> Two very good options for her. But having that lack of clarity has just got to do and and knowing that you'll disappoint one fan base, make one fan base ecstatic. That's that's a lot on a person, let alone a 22 year old who changed the sport. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, Caitlin, I've been at one media event. I don't think she would remember me or recognize me at all. But I'm happy for her by proxy. Um, it's got to be such a weight off for her going forward and for the team for that matter. Like they they know what's ahead. And speaking of which, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it momentarily, I'm sure. But Gabby Marshall looked like March Gabby Marshall last night. Of course, Taylor McCabe shooting lights out. So to have that weight off not only Caitlin's shoulders, but the team's shoulders going into March is really big. Yeah, I would agree with that. The the coaches and the players themselves have sort of downplayed the amount of importance that uh, you know Caitlin's um, pursuits, uh, you know, her record chases, the this and that. Um, they've downplayed how much of a distraction it is. Except after losses, when they're like, "Yeah, that was probably uh, a factor." Uh, they they'll they'll I shouldn't say cop to it, but they they're they're more likely to acknowledge that the distractions exist after, you know, they, they lose at Nebraska or Indiana punks them uh, in Bloomington. So 
it will be nice for not only for Caitlin, not only for the staff, but for the rest of the players to know, you know, this is it. Everyone's playing for the next uh, three to 10 games. I, I believe that's the range of possibilities left here now. Um, and yeah, Elliot, you're right. This is now they can all focus on basketball. All of them can just worry about that. And this is the time of year where you want to eliminate anything outside of the arena that is going to keep you away from this goal of making that next deep run into March. There was something else I was going to say uh, about that. I'm going to look at my, my notes here, but, um, Oh, so I, I think we already alluded to it and I think we've made it relatively clear, but I, I think the initial thought when the news came out is why now? And I, I think it's it's pretty obvious based on what we just said is now she knows that this last game, this game on Sunday is her last in Carver Hawkeye Arena. She can really take in senior day. The fan base can. Um, I, I'm, you know, I don't know that that is the end all be all, but I, I imagine it's probably a factor. And additionally, here's the other thing I was thinking. How much are resale tickets going to be now? Yeah. They probably I, doubled I in price, right? Probably. Well, one point of order there, she is going to have at least one more game at Carver Hawkeye Arena in the oh. NCAA tournament. Presumably two, but you know, you you never know. You, you do never know in March. But yes, this will be her last regular season game in Carver Hawkeye Arena. Uh, her last time in front of that same group of season ticket holders. I would imagine 99% of them went ahead with the uh, uh, NCAA ticket order uh, back in January. But, you know, regardless, it's not the last time, but it's really coming up on the last. And, and yeah, these are the moments that you want to be present for as they happen without any negative distractions, without any ambiguity, without any yes, buts in your head. So, yeah, it's, Again, like I thought this was going to come down to an after the season decision because that was basically what we had heard from Clark more or less over the course of the year. She had said that she didn't want to think about it during the year and that she was going to, you know, tell us when she knew. So she's right. She told us when she knew clearly uh, because that is she didn't wait for the end of the season. She did, however, wait until she got the real record, as she and Coach Bleeder mentioned last night, uh, the Lynette Woodard major college record, which they seem to put more stock in than the Pete Maravich uh, NCAA D1 record. Uh, and there's a lot to that because it is more of an appreciation for women's basketball as its own entity, as opposed to an appreciation for the NCAA's basketball men's and women's as an entity. We already know now, <laughs> without a whole lot of guesswork needed, that Lisa Bluter only has so much respect for the NCAA. And that is because she remembers the AIAW. She remembers when the NCAA didn't want anything to do with women's basketball, even after Title IX was passed. So she said, uh, I'll have to pull up the quote, um, but she basically said, we played basketball before the NCAA existed, right? Um, basketball was around before the rules. 
So the uh, the fact that Caitlin has the major college record, the one, the record that's not dependent on when the NCAA decides women can play basketball, that clearly matters to Bluter, almost certainly matters to Jensen uh, and other members of that staff. And we know how much Caitlin reveres the guidance that she gets from the coaches. So now that the question of like who really earns or who owns that record is really no longer in dispute, especially as women's sports go. She doesn't have to worry about that either. Like she has the individual merits that she came to college for. She has all of them, all of them. So what is there left to prove? And, and if there's nothing, what's there wait to let, uh, or what is left to wait for before announcing? So again, like, I I had been assuming that this was all coming after the season, but she told us before the season, when she knows, we'll know. Caitlin Clark knows now, and now we do too. So does this, what does this do for the postseason for the women? Other than continue to, well, one, like I mentioned, drive up the price of tickets. I guarantee those prices doubled for the game against Sunday guarantee they were already the highest a women's basketball game had ever been yeah <laughs> it's like saying mount everest is doubling in size i'm not even afraid of it frick them that's what i say anyway <laughs> um so one this will be the first women's game i cover for the season so i am so freaking excited you guys oh my gosh it's gonna be awesome that environment is going to be insane adam You've you've seen her break Kelsey Plum's right, record. You... There's one one thing, and on SeatGeek, the cheapest price, the get-in price for that game right now was three hundred and thirty-five dollars. Okay, but that's Sunday. That's general admission, though, right? Um, I don't think so. I thought I saw that the cheapest non-general admission ticket was five hundred and forty-one dollars. That might have been from a different site, though. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I don't Regardless. think it's GA. But anyway, a lot of money, lot of yes. lot, lot of yeah. lot of money. Right. Um. So as I was saying, Adam, you've seen it all this season from from press row. You've seen her break Kelsey Plum's record. You've seen all the the signs all of the the fandom all of the crazy children who want signatures and adults for that matter um shoes handed out for free like where do, where do you think this will rank and maybe not rank but like what are your expectations you know maybe comparing the rest of the season for the folks that maybe were season ticket holders or the folks that might be going to their first game this season like myself at at Carver Hawkeye for for the women my guess is it will be extraordinarily loud there up to and including like if you've got sensitive ears, earplugs are going to be a good idea because my little watch here has buzzed me about loud decibels at several games this year. And the highest that I got as a reading uh, was during the Michigan game uh, where she broke Kelsey Plum's record. And that felt low to me at 109 decibels, right? Like that is the level of insanity that Carver Hawkeye Arena can get to 
or Caitlin Clark. And honestly, we haven't heard it get that loud from the men's team in, you know, years. That's that's like peak Dan Gable era wrestling levels of noise. I think it will be that loud this time around too, because this is senior day. This is the regular season finale. This is the last time that anybody knows who I was going to play ahead of time, like coming into that game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Again, they are barring some criminal act by the NCAA selection committee. They will host the first weekend uh, of March Madness come late March. So it's, again, like it's not it, it for being able to see Caitlin Clark, but it is sort of the last opportunity to um, get seats from, you know, somebody who you know has those regular season seats. Because again, once you involve the postseason, once you involve all that stuff, like it's just a different animal. It's a different environment. And uh, yeah, this is going to be not a farewell, not, not even a goodbye, but a, 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 a recognition and appreciation for everything that Caitlin has done during the regular season and, and sort of a like, all right, off to the last postseason, once more into the breach, let's go. And people are going to be loud, loud, loud for that. Oh yeah. And by the way, number two, Ohio state is going to be in the building too. It's going to be an enormous game. And even though Iowa does not have a shot at, the Big Ten um, regular season crown, Ohio State has locked that up and hats off to the Buckeyes for that. They earned it, and that includes a win against Iowa in Columbus. But as long as Iowa's still chasing that one seed, they have got to win this game. And everybody in that building, both the Buckeyes, the Hawkeyes, and all 15,000 fans, everybody knows Iowa wants that one seed. Iowa wants this game. So the stakes, you know, aside from the Big Ten, which is wrapped up, the stakes are still amazingly high, especially for March Madness. And, and that is going to feed into this crowd um, uh, noise, too. And again, Iowa wants to get that loss back from Ohio State. And uh, it's going to be a tremendous effort from them on that front. Looking forward to it. So, Adam... You mentioned several factors there. The other thing that I mentioned the other day when we were talking about Caitlin breaking the record is I said that my girlfriend's a Molly Davis fan, right? It's Molly Davis's senior day. It's Gabby Marshall's, Gabby Marshall's senior day. It's Kate Martin's senior day. And it's Sharon Goodman's senior day. And just about every member of this team has become beloved over the last few years because of, well, Caitlin... Clark proxy, but they're also phenomenal players in themselves. Kate Martin and Gabby were essential in that NCAA tournament run last year. Molly Davis has been fun as hell to watch this year. So it's not just Caitlin. It's other members of this team that will play their final regular season game in Carver Hawkeye Arena. And I mean, it's it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be insane in there. And so while while we're talking about this, I, I think I said it already, but we got averted to a different topic. What does this do for the outlook of the team? Is this like add another level of urgency or, or is this just like, you know, eyes forward considering they, they know what the future looks like now. 
or is like like how does this shake out for them maybe mentally maybe we won't see it maybe we will see it but mentally for them going forward this season based on what what, what you know Adam yeah that's a good question and that's something that we're going to be asking about um Friday afternoon uh, when we get the opportunity they've been saying that they've been preparing for the season as if it's Caitlin Clark's last the whole season anyway uh, it, it was always sort of understood that year number five, if it was ever going to come to pass, was just going to be gravy. So I don't think it's going to change a whole lot about the way the team approaches these games. I don't think they need any um, excuse for urgency at this point. Uh, they already know that this is going to be their best shot at a title uh, just because Elliot, like you mentioned, all those seniors are graduating uh, with the possible exception, I believe, of Sharon Goodman. I think she's still got a COVID year. She wants it, but we don't know if she's going to use it or not. So the Iowa team is going to be a lot younger next year, and they already knew that. Uh, the Iowa team is probably not set up for a deep March run next year unless some transfer portal things that we don't really see coming happen. So, and, and Lisa Bluter is not at all the run your players off type of coach. And, you know, if she were a win at all costs coach, the Iowa roster would look different this year than it does. And it, there would be a lot more new faces and some more early departing faces. And so Bluter has always walked her walk along with talking her talk in terms of that program culture, in terms of making sure all these players matter. Uh, but it does sort of underscore the fact that they have really gone all in on this year in this senior class in terms of making that one, I shouldn't say last March run, but for these seniors, it is going to be their last run. And for the next couple of years, it's probably going to be the last big late March run. Again, barring some major roster moves, but I think it's a safe, it's a safer assumption that this is going to be their best shot for a little bit. And again, I think they already knew that. And if anything, this is just going to remove distractions as opposed to placing additional like excessive pressure on these guys. But yeah, it is something that uh, I'm sure each and every one of those players and coach Bluter are going to be asked about on Friday. Uh, Ross, do you, would you agree with that, or, or do you think there's something to the, like, uh-oh, this is it factor? Yeah, I mean, I think you never really know until you see how they respond to the games. Um, it's certainly a real a viable possibility that, you know, the pressure of, you know, this being the last run could get to them. But uh, it's equally likely, in my opinion, that, you know, like you said, they've known about this all season you know, they've been operating under this mindset since November. Uh, it's more like it's equally likely that it'll just help them focus even more and, you know, really stay on the task at hand. So it can go either way. Um, I don't think we'll know until we're not going to know until we know, essentially. Right. Until we we see how the games play out. But uh, my feeling with having watched them all year is that it's more likely to just kind of help them focus and um you know, to stay true to what their their goals are and, and what they want to accomplish. Because, I mean, this this team has been in the sort of just fishbowl and distraction mania because of Caitlin 
that no other team has had to experience, you know, in, in women's basketball, maybe ever. I mean, like UConn and South Carolina, they deal with like, you know, incredible expectations and big winning streaks and things like that, which is its own brand of pressure for sure. But just the amount of attention and, you know, constant sellouts and national media attention. And, and this is just a unique fishbowl for, for women's basketball. And uh, this team has been in that for, you know, since November. And yeah, they've handled it pretty darn well up to this point. You know, there's not been too many hiccups this season. There have been a lot of tremendous performances, a lot of just a ton of wins, obviously. Um, and so I think that's pretty good evidence that, uh, this team when faced with pressure can handle it well. I mean, you know, we've mentioned that it's not just Caitlin, it's, it's Kate Martin, it's Gabby Marshall, it's Sharon Goodman. It's, you know, all these players that, you know, the benefit of they were there last year, they did the big run last year. They know what it takes. They know what that pressure is like, you know, they, they have that experience. So I just think there's a lot of reasons to, you know, have faith, have confidence in this team to, you know, put forth their best effort to accomplish their goals. And, you know, there's always the the possibility that the pressure will get to them. But I, I think it's more likely that, you know, they may just run into another really, really good team. Um, and that's, you know, that is what it is. It's the it's March. Uh, it's tournament season that that'll just happen at some point generally. Um, but for now, I think. Yeah, I think this this team has answered the call to a level no one could have anticipated all season. So I think you just have to trust them to keep doing that. Now, Adam, in your article, which you can, of course, find on iowa.rivals.com, um, I know you alluded to the future a little bit um, in terms of the roster construction. If We don't have to talk about that right now. One thing I am curious about, though, is what does the scholarship situation look like? going into next year with with several players moving on right now it's full and that's because there is a four-player um recruiting class coming in from 2024 and and so if sharon goodman does use that uh final year of eligibility then you've got four players coming out uh martin marshall um Davis and um, that 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 girl from West Des Moines. What's her name? Um, <laughs> Caitlin Cluck, um, uh, Caitlin Cooper, or whatever that politician said. Uh, now the uh, Elliot, I I can't hear you. My my I can hear you. My mic was muted. Sorry, guys. I was really oh. not. I thought I killed it with that joke. I was like, Caitlin, Caitlin Clow, Caitlin Clo, what is it? <laughs> I, was, I was like, why aren't these guys laughing? That's a peak Adam and Ross humor. Uh, we'll we'll fix that in post. <laughs> Good joke, Clow. I know, but like, <laughs> so that's four. That's four seniors going out. Four freshmen coming in, and and they're all highly regarded freshmen, mind you. Uh, Ava Hyden in particular is going to be. Uh, a, a real asset in the uh, middle because we've been hearing that this team really was lacking uh, a post presence and Hyden coming out of Oregon is going to be that Aaliyah Guyton uh, presuming, hoping that she comes back from that torn ACL uh, will be handling a lot of the ball handling duties next year. Cause Elliot, when you look at what's coming back, 
there's not a lot of ball handling, especially outside of Taylor McCabe, Kylie Fearback, um, Kenise Johnson, who's been at the end of the bench all year. Uh, you can throw Sydney Fulter into that mix, but you know, having her as a primary ball handler feels like it's not really playing to her best strengths and putting the team in the best position to win. So there is absolutely room for, say, a transfer who is used to having the ball in their hands that that has that, you know, high-level experience as a player who can sort of no one's going to step into Caitlin Clark's shoes, but someone can at the very least keep this momentum of Iowa being this, you know, 25 plus win team. The room or the at the very least, the room for the role is going to be there. It's just a matter of whether or not the scholarship is going to be there. And that will just depend on whether or not Iowa has everybody else come back. Some players may, you know, look at the scholarship situation next year, especially at forward and say, if I want to play, it's not going to be here. There is the Ava Jones situation. And, you know, you don't want to speculate on how her recovery is going. And and everybody in that locker room is really hoping that she can play again one day. They will have more information by the start of next year or, or by, you know, the time that they're going to need to know that they'll have a little bit more information about what that long-term outlook is looking like and whether or not it makes more sense to put her on a medical hardship and, you know, keep her on scholarship at Iowa, but just sort of close the door on her playing. Obviously they would hope that that doesn't come to pass. Uh, They, in that locker room, they, they adore Ava and and she's a tremendous source of inspiration. So I don't think she's going to transfer out unless there's a family unless it makes her family better. But that's a situation that may or may not also result in another scholarship coming open. But unless somebody transfers out, there's no room for a transfer in at this point. So that too plays into whether or not Iowa will, you know, continue to look different outside of the four graduations, the four plus graduations um, you know, Sharon Goodman might not use her COVID year. That too could potentially um, open up a, a scholarship. So, um, you know, there are ways that a scholarship can open, but right now nothing's confirmed. Okay. And we will talk about the future roster construction, who will fill what role more extensively as time goes along. For now, appreciate greatness, folks. Appreciate greatness. It's right in front of us. Enjoy it. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, savor? Sa- ma- yeah, savor it. That's what I, yeah, savor it. Struggle in this podcast, you guys. Okay, let's get closer to wrapping it up. Talk a little bit about the men. Um, they are in a very volatile position going into the Big Ten tournament right now. Ross tells me that he believes he saw somewhere that they could end up the four seed. Uh, all the calculations, the minimal calculations that I've done on there's a website called bball.notnothing.net where you can calculate where these teams will land based on who wins what. And of course, the Big Ten is 
is volatile in itself. That's why these numbers and these final standings in the Big Ten are kind of all over the place. That's why I've booked my Airbnb for the day before, because I don't know if I'm going to be attending the 11 a.m. game in this in, on Thursday or the 8 p.m. game on Thursday. And I don't know if I'm going to have to be waiting till Friday based on this number four seed talk. So lots of movement can happen between um, today, between this weekend and, of course, the start of the tournament uh, in that final game, which is on March 10th. Right now, if you go to the site and don't touch a button, they expect Iowa to lose both of their last two games. You hit calculate seeds, and Iowa comes in as the nine seed to play Maryland 11 a.m. on Thursday. Now, if you don't go in and change anything at all, you click Iowa to win both of these games, which is very much a possibility. I'm not exactly saying they're because they, they won't be favored in either of these games, but the way I was playing right now, they could win either of these games. They could go to Evanston and win a game. They they could have very well beat Illinois at Illinois, depending on, you know, if a few things go their way. So now we flip the Iowa games. I'm on this site and Ross, I, I see you looking down. If you want to hop over there and maybe find out how you can put Iowa at the four seed, because I could not figure it out as we speak right now. But if you flip those two games, and have Iowa beating Northwestern and Illinois, and you don't change anything else on that uh, initial page, they flip to the sixth seed in which they play the winner of Michigan and Penn State at 8 p.m. on Thursday. Um, I believe all these games will be on big the Big Ten Network. Uh, initial play-in games will be on Peacock, but um, second-round quarterfinals will all be on Big Ten Network. Semifinals will be on CBS, and the championship will be on CBS on Sunday. So from what I can tell, the most realistic position they could move around between would be six and nine. Um, obviously, the higher, higher the higher you get, the more advantageous it'll be for Iowa, because if you can get a double buy, then sign the Hawkeyes the hell up. That'll be probably more of a situation where they're more likely to make the NCAA tournament even if they just win these last two games, I'd say they're in a much more favorable position. Obviously, some things got to go their way. But if these they win these last two games, they're in a much more favorable position to end up in the NCAA tournament. Now, the top three seeds, as it appears currently, will be Purdue, Illinois, and Nebraska. Nebraska is in a different tier, a lower tier than Purdue and Illinois, of course. That's just based on eye test, but also based on standings. So... The way I see it, uh, I don't know that we can necessarily talk about it until it is officially set, but it's I, I've set my my schedule for the 14th through the uh, 16th, I think, or the 17th um, for for traveling, because I don't see there's really any route for Iowa to get to the championship, particularly because they'll have to play either Illinois or Purdue. Um, but. I guess based on all of that information, do you guys have any thoughts? Because <laughs> it's so difficult to talk about because there are so many different scenarios that can can end up happening uh, in the next week to two weeks. Yeah, it's fascinating because if you look at where the standings are right now, uh, and you know we're we're talking about a twenty game Big Ten season, so I was sitting at nine and nine, and so you look at the teams that have. Uh, you know, no, uh, no more than 11 wins or no fewer than 11 losses. 
And Iowa could, you know, theoretically, and I don't know about the tiebreakers, but Iowa could theoretically be tied for third place, or Iowa could theoretically be tied for second to last place. Uh, you know, everything would have to shake out, and, and there might be some mathematical impossibilities there. But, like, Iowa could still tie Northwestern at 11 and 9, or, like, Iowa could still tie with Northwestern at 11 and 9. I, you know, that probably wouldn't be tied for third at that point, but Northwestern's in third right now. Ohio State's second to last place right now, but only, only six and 11, and Iowa's at nine and nine. And so, Elliot, if those projections turn out right and Iowa ends up at nine and 11, you know, Ohio State could theoretically catch Iowa. Now, would Iowa be in, you know, second to last place at that point? Again, probably not. But, you know, that just sort of shows that of the 13 other teams in the Big Ten, Iowa is not like is within punching distance of 10 of them with two games to go. Some of them have more than two, but here we are in leap day should be March 1st. Uh, so the fact that there is this much volatility again, you know, and last year was this crazy too. Right. So we're doing this whole song and dance again. And yeah, Elliot, it means that, like Purdue knows what they're going to do. Illinois knows what they're going to do. Michigan knows what they're going to do. That's about it. <laughs> Other than that, good luck booking your travel. Yeah. Um, Ross, I, I saw you. It looked like you were doing some math over there in that window that I'm looking at you. Not outside your house, in window on Zoom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not math. Yeah, I, you know, I, we do this so we don't have to do math essentially, but uh, the website does the math for us. And um, so I was trying to, you know, find what the possibilities were for getting up to that four seed. Um, one of them is significantly less likely. That would involve Nebraska losing uh, to Rutgers and Michigan. Don't feel real good about that happening, but uh, if it did, and Iowa, go ahead. They lost to Iowa State tonight. Nebraska did. Uh, ne all right. Well, then. All right. Maybe that's on the table then, losing to Rutgers and Michigan also. Um, if they did that, if, if there was a four-way tied 11-9 and nine with Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Nebraska, Iowa looks very good in that tiebreaker because uh, they would be 3-1 and one against those teams. So that's nice. Um, an, a different possibility is if uh, – and all of these are conditioned on Iowa winning their last two games, obviously. Like, right. there is no no route that doesn't involve Iowa beating Northwestern and Illinois. That, that's just a given. Uh, the other one, though, is if Northwestern loses to Minnesota on um, uh, the end of the season, uh, which seems more likely than Nebraska losing both of those games. Um, Minnesota just had one of the most improbable losses, I think, of – the season last night against Illinois, where they scored 95 points, shot 70% from three and had five, 97 points, shot 70% from three, had five turnovers and still lost. But that's kind of because they also gave up like a hundred something points to Illinois who, and only had Illinois only had four turnovers. So um, maybe play a little defense gophers, but um, yeah. So, I don't think there's a good path for Iowa to get a double buy. It's, it's a, it's there maybe. Um, 
but it, it all starts with this game against Northwestern on Saturday, honestly. You know, every everything is contingent on Iowa, you know, winning some more games, and that starts in Evanston uh, against the Northwestern team that's been good this year, but a little up and down. It's a little banged up, too. Um, they're missing, and they might be missing, uh, two shooting guards, I believe. Uh, I was just looking that up. Um, I think uh, Ty Berry is is injured, and then there's another uh, shooting guard also dealing with injury. So they're, they're a little shorthanded heading into that game, potentially. Uh, Boo Booey, you know, he's been phenomenal this year. He'd probably be making a good run at Big Ten Player of the Year in a world that didn't include Zach Eady, um, who's obviously going to win it. But uh, it'll, it, this is Iowa's only game against Northwestern. You know, it's the the funkiness of the Big Ten scheduling that, you know, that Iowa's played 18 games without playing Northwestern even once. But that's just the way this this cookie crumbled. Um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll, that's a big, big game for Iowa. And then if they win that one, you know, then you can start thinking about other possibilities for the, the Big Ten tournament. The, the bubble for the NCAA tournament, what you know, what that looks like, um, and then that that Illinois game takes on even more um, significance at the end of the season. That that's a a really big game if there's a lot on the line. If if Iowa beats Northwestern, if Iowa loses to Northwestern, I, I mean, a, a win over Illinois would still be good, still be a big deal. But I think that would put a lot more pressure on Iowa to go deeper into um, into the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, that's going to be difficult. Uh, they probably want to get on the opposite side of the bracket from Purdue because those Purdue games this year did not go well for Iowa. And uh, I'm not, sh- I don't think we can uh, call up Luca Garza to, you know, play for the Big Ten tournament. That'd be really helpful. Uh, he, he's in Minnesota, plays for the Wolves. <laughs> you know, he's right there. Elliot, can you talk uh, to J.R. Koch and see if he can scrounge up one more year of eligibility, maybe a uh, a very belated COVID year for the guy who played in the 20th century? Um, I'll see and, what I can uh, do. Or bring back Josh Agundale. There you go. Oh, big Josh. Big O. Big Jelly. <laughs> the um, – the, El, or Elliot. Uh, Ross, the second shooting guard that you mentioned, uh, Ryan Langborg. Uh, yeah, he missed the last game. And so if Langborg and Barry both can't go – uh, that's two guys that shoot over 40% from beyond the arc that would be missing for Northwestern. And Northwestern hurts teams with that outside shooting. You know, I was going to say it's sort of a double-edged sword that, uh, Ross, you mentioned that they're sort of that up and down, and that's because three-point shooting is generally an up and down um, situation, except when teams play Iowa. So taking that quiver out of, or taking that arrow out of Northwestern's quiver or or those two arrows really sort of changes how the cats are going to be able to attack the the Hawkeye defense. So yeah, we'll see how that situation uh, develops, but might be, might be a situation where the game gets incrementally more winnable for the Hawkeyes, but we'll see. Now, I'll, I'll pose this question to you and then we should probably get out of here so we can get the pod up and People can uh, listen to us talk about Caitlin a little bit, but I think prior to the Illinois game, I saw some folks say something to the effect of they have to probably go two and two or three and one over these last four games 
if they're going to get in because chances are they were going to lose to Illinois at least once, right? I to me they have to win out here, so it is three and one. I I don't see how they go two and two and and still get in the tournament, especially with how the NCAA or or the uh, the committee doesn't value Big Ten tournament play. Yeah, yeah. Like it, you had mentioned the um, scenarios uh, earlier, and and really, if Iowa somehow sneaks into that double by, even if it's um, unlikely, just avoiding that potential loss dramatically outweighs the potential benefit from winning that game against whoever it was going to be. Just because how many times have we seen the committee just completely disregard Iowa's conference tourney wins when it comes to seeding like oh oh they made the deep run oh that should bump them up a seat or two just never happens and and that's not an Iowa thing it's it, I think it's just the Big Ten tournament is too late and they just don't adjust to it uh, so or maybe they just don't care about uh, conference tourneys in general right like we don't really have the frame of reference it's not like the Big Ten tourney was one of the earliest ones up until three years ago right so but yeah, I, I one of you guys large, is in trouble with the law or something. Oh, I thought that was no. a party siren. <laughs> it's Ross. Sorry, that's uh, it's Ross. That's what did you it's, do? It's that crime-ridden <laughs> hellhole of Minneapolis, and we're supposed to go up there for conference tournaments. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'll be packing. <laughs> that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm not bringing a gun. Minnesota, don't do that. Don't do that. You were saying it. Yeah. Seriously, Ross. Wasn't are you, me. Are you, are you in trouble? Are they coming for you? <laughs> Might be my neighbors. Adam, you were saying. What was I saying? Big oh, the conference tournament has yeah. a lack yeah. of impact. Yeah. The, I, I think I was wrapping up on my point there, but like, regardless... Iowa doesn't need that win as much as it needs to just like not have that potential loss on its radar. And, and ultimately, especially with their weak non-conference schedule um, and results, Elliot, you're right. Three and one over these last four, which means winning out. And I would say probably one more win in the big 10, just because we don't know what that bubble's going to shake out like. Right now, it's soft enough that I was sort of benefiting from it, or, or at the very least, losing to Illinois did not hurt the Hawkeyes' prospects that much. But they are still kind of running out of opportunities for those big statement wins. And there are going to be big statement wins happening across the country outside of Iowa's control over the next couple weeks. So... It's it's one thing for the Hawkeyes to put themselves in position here at the end of February. But as those other resumes start to get better and better, what are the Hawkeyes doing to get their resume better and better too? And if they just go over in the Big Ten tournament, even if they win out the next two games, I'm, I'm going to guess that that's not going to be good enough for the tourney committee. If they win out here and then find themselves in somehow the five or the six seed, however that happens, you can't lose to Indiana a third time. You can't lose to Michigan again. You no. can't lose to Penn State again. You shouldn't lose to Rutgers again, who are all probably going to be in that, that play-in scenario. And if you play Maryland, 
if you end up in that nine seed and, and Maryland is the eight seed, you can't lose to Maryland a third time. These are these are scenarios where it does the Big Ten tournament would probably affect however Iowa ends up. Um, so I think I was gonna say I, I think that is the thing about that Big Ten tournament game is you know a couple of factors. If Iowa wins their next two, they're sitting on 19 wins. Um, so that first Big Ten tournament game would get them to 20, which doesn't guarantee anything, but that's a nice number for the committee to look at. Um, and the other thing is. That first game, yeah, I mean, that's a loss that it's probably not going to be a – it might be a quad three loss. I don't think so, but it could be a quad two. Um, and it's just something that is – it's not going to be a good, you know, quote-unquote good loss. You know, that that first game is not going to be against a team that is going to – I mean, no loss is going to help them, but some of the losses can hurt more than others, obviously, and that is likely to, to hurt much more than anything. So – I think they just need to avoid that potential and then get to that second game where that'll be a, a game with actual upside to win and very diminished downside to lose because you're going to be playing another good team at that point. So you know, you're not going to get, you should be right. Unless, yeah. unless there's upsets, in which case then, you know, Hey, take advantage of that, you know, beat is nice that Indiana won on Thursday, but Hey, don't let them get to Saturday, you know, beat them on, beat them on Friday or whatever. So right. Um. Yeah. So just you know, they got to take care of business. Uh, win, win some more games. You know, they they put themselves in this situation by you know, like you said, Elliot, they've already lost to Maryland twice. You know, if they could have won, oh, at least one of those games, if they avoid that loss to Michigan at home, you know, we we can the Indiana game. You know, we can rattle up Penn State. We can rattle off a lot of games. I just have because I can't help myself. Um, this season could be looking a little bit different right now, but. You know, they've, they've played themselves to where they are, and now they just got to do what they can uh, moving forward. So That they do. That they do. Anything else before we get out of here, fellas? No? Cool beans. No. All right. right. Well, I, I, got, I got one more. Um, Brandon Stiles, um, the B Stiles, on Twitter uh, posted a, a screenshot of some early resale uh, ticket prices for uh, the Minnesota Lynx in the WNBA. And it's pretty much 62 to $64 plus for pretty much every other opponent that comes to town, including the Las Vegas, uh, the Las Vegas Aces, who are two-time defending champions. When it's the Indiana Fever, those resale prices are already up to 192 plus. That is a triple of the value, all because the Fever are probably going to draft Caitlin Clark. So the notion that the fame is not going to follow her to the pros is already being proven incorrect. By the way, uh, one thing we didn't hit about her going to the Indiana Fever is that she will join Aaliyah Boston with the Fever. And though that team is going to be nasty. Her, the, those two in a pick and roll... Might as well quit now. I think they'll play. I think the Fever play uh, the New York Liberty in the first game of the season two, which they have Brianna Stewart and Sabrina Ionescu as well. I think I saw yeah. that somewhere. Yeah, uh, that's Caitlin's going to be playing against elite competition, game in, game out, and she's gonna love it. She's gonna love it. You will. Um, living in Indianapolis, eh, maybe not. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's 
it's Iowa City to Indianapolis. Like it's <laughs> we're talking about a lateral move here a little bit here. <laughs> Indiana as a whole. Anyway, we'll wrap it up here before I offend anybody else here on this episode of Hotcast. We appreciate you tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, drop a like, drop a comment. What are your thoughts on Caitlin moving on? The GOAT will no longer be in Iowa City after this season and how nasty that pick and roll will be with Aaliyah Boston in Indianapolis. And of course, the men, are they going to make the NCAA tournament? Drop a comment, let us know. Hit that like button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you might not be subscribed, so make sure you do that today so you don't miss a single episode of HotCast. And if you are not a premium subscriber on iowa.rivals.com, you can do that today at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Join us there for premium content. And of course, we'd love to have you on our premium boards as well, where we share some other information that we don't put out in articles. Um, So we would love to have you. For now, my name's Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough, joined by Adam Jacoby and Ross Binder. We'll see you next time.